Have you, have you ever wanted, I've been in the place where I just was not operating in enough. I also was in operating, I'm talking about finances. I've also been in the place where I just didn't have enough knowledge about the things of God. That's why we're going through this series is I'm going to give you some knowledge because the Bible tells us this. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. For a lack of knowledge. It says, my people go in, another verse says, my people are in captivity because they have a lack of understanding, right? They have a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. And so a lot of times, God doesn't want his people in captivity and bondage, but they're there because they don't know some stuff. Well, have, have you ever been at the place where you didn't know some things about God? So a lot of times, even if you know what I'm talking about, what happens is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as I preach and I release these promises and these truths of God, something happens. Doesn't matter if you think you know it already. Let the faith of God rise you up to another place. God wants me blessed. God wants me in abundance. God wants me overflowing. Amen. And he does. He wants to bless you. Did you know that not every person going to church knows that? They don't all know that, right? Have you, ever, have you ever known that, but then some of you, I think, maybe uh, you've known that, but yet still just finances ain't working the way they should be working. You know, I'm just, it's just not where it should be. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want you to go to verse 10 first. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. And at the end of that verse, here's, let me, let me show you something. Go first to verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And then look at the very last sentence there. And it's talking about the will of God for your life. Say this out loud to me. Say, that verse is talking about me and what God wants for me. So now let's see what he wants. He says, I want you to have an abundance for every good deed. In the King James it says this, an abundance for every good work. So what does he want for you? He wants you to have an abundance. He wants you to have an abundance. Why? Because if you don't have an abundance, you won't have the means to do every good work. Is there stuff that we need to do in the community? Yeah. yeah. Are, are there souls to be won? Yeah. Is there people that we can help? Absolutely. But do you think that, you know, I go down, I need to get something for somebody from Walmart. They're going to be like, beep, beep, beep. Oh, you're with the church. Well, here, just take it. That's not the way they operate. They're like, oh, you're with a church. Your money spends the same. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. They're, they're like, they need, they're expecting to get paid for it. Well, if we don't have abundance, we're not going to be able to do that, are we? We've got to operate in abundance. And as a church, we've operated like that. For 11 years, we've sought to operate in the abundance of God. And God has come through miraculously time after time after time. So the first thing is God wants you to have an abundance. Right. You do not have to be in lack all of your life. Right. You do not have to be with financially just your nose barely above water for the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be like that. Right. 
But how many people know that there's a whole bunch of church people been like that before? I mean, I've seen cars pull up in the church parking lot, and I've had these cars too. I mean, the whole the, the bumper stickers talking about Jesus was holding it together, right? I mean, it, I mean that's, that's the thing. But see, God doesn't want his people there. And if you're at that place where, all right, you can start to say, hey, there's hope for me. Right. There's hope. You know, we told a story a few weeks ago how the house that we lived in had weeds growing through uh, and you could see the ground outside, so we didn't go in that room, right? And, and that same room had critters in it. And when we found glue traps and caught nine mice in one night. That was the house we lived in. But then God changed it. And see, God's not a respecter of persons. If he'll do that for us, he'll do it for you. Is there anybody that says, I need some of that, yeah. right? That's, that's what I'm saying. He'll do that for you. He wants to. He wants you to have, have an abundance for every good deed. But then I want you to see this, verse 10. Look at the end, the last statement in verse 10. It says, you can increase the harvest of your righteousness. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, did you know that when you're born again, you are made righteous? You're made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's actually in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When you were born again, when you came to know Jesus, you're made righteous. But that verse right there says, even though you're righteous, not everybody's harvest is the same. The harvest is determined based off of what you do. In other words, but I can grab a hold of the strength of God to empower me to do greater things, and then I'll have a greater harvest. That's what this whole passage is about. Did you know this? Have you ever heard about the difference between tithes and offerings? You know that they're different, right? Tithes are 10% of your increase. It's a set amount, and the Bible says it's the Lord. Offerings are anything over and above that tithe. If you haven't given 10%, you don't get to offerings until you give the 10%. Did you know there's other types of giving, like giving to the poor, right? But listen to this. The Bible says this about giving to the poor. He says, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and he will repay. In other words, if I gave $100 uh, to the poor, he's going to give me my $100 back. I lend to the Lord. With tithe, what I'm trying to get at is this. There's different kinds of giving in different kinds of soil, and they have a different return. It's just like this. If I went over to this field and the topsoil's been completely stripped, and I tried to plant a seed there, and I went over to another field, and it's rich soil, aren't I going to get different plants coming up? Yeah, because one of them has nutrients and one of them doesn't, right? There's different kinds of giving and there's different kinds of return. With the tithe, he says, I'll give you the supernatural words and the supernatural vision and what you can see you can have. He said, I'll give you the supernatural words and vision and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So what happens is he says, look, I'll give you the seed of the word and I'll... Now, no, devil, I'll beat back the devourer when he comes and tries to steal the vision from you. But then, in the, when we give to the poor, he says, you lend to the Lord, I'll repay. But here, when we get to offerings, 
Something supernatural happens. This is why most people are not operating in abundance is they don't understand the offerings. And what we've looked at over the last few weeks is the difference between the tithe and the offering. But look at this in verse 6. Let's go to verse 6. It says this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, hear this, because we're going to come back to this. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. He wants you to have an abundance. Say it with me. He wants me to have an abundance. Amen. Now watch this. This verse, huge. Now, he, talking about God, who supplies seed to the sower. So when somebody purposes in their heart, I'm going to be a sower. I'm going to be a giver. When he purposes their heart, God says, I'm going to give that person seed. Over and above what they have, I'm going to give that person seed. And then he says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He will supply, listen, here's what the offering does. It takes what you sow and multiplies it. Multiplies it. This is where you want to get to because in the offering is where multiplication happens and where abundance happens. In the offering, that's where it happens. So we've got to say, all right, Lord, how I need to be blessed. I need to be walking in abundance for every good work, not just for me and my family, but for you and whatever you want to do. But listen, you are not going to get there if you are not a sower. If you're not a sower. And we've got to say, Lord... What do you want me to give? What do you want me to give, Lord? And then when we hear from heaven, we just say, all right, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Now, we're talking about over and above our tithes. But in the offering is where the abundance happens. It's where the multiplication happens. And I'm looking at a bunch of people that are about to be multiplied in their life in this year because you're going to grab a hold of the promise of God and watch it come to pass. But he says this, here's the key. This is the key. Back in verse 6, each one must give as he purposed in his heart. Or excuse me, verse 7. Each one must give as he purposed in his heart. Many times people have not taken the time to say, Lord, I'm going to purpose myself. What they do is they let life happen to them. They're not intentional. They're not purposed. And because of that, they've never purposed to do anything. They just, all right, if I, if I get some in, I'll give it. If I get some extra, then I'll give some of it. But they haven't taken time to purpose themselves. Now, why is this important? Because he says those who have purposed in their heart to be a giver He'll give them seed. Amen. 
He doesn't just give seed to everybody. He gives seed to those who have purposed in their heart to be a sower. He says, I'll give you seed. It won't even cost you anything. It won't even cost you anything. He says, I'll give you seed. I'll give seed to you to plant. It won't cost you anything. The only thing you need to do is you need to work on your heart. Purpose in your heart. So, Jared, come here, come here real quick. So let's say that, that Jared's sitting here and he's he, he's new to, you know, he's new to the Lord and, and everything, and he comes to church and all of a sudden it it's tithes and offering time. Amen. And all of a sudden, Jared's like, Daggum preacher just wants my money. Nobody's laughing today. It's like it, it's okay. <laughs> Doggone preacher just wants my money, right? Now what's going to happen? Where's his heart at? It's it's not purpose to give. Can God give seed to that? No, he said, I give seed to a sower. So this, you know, somebody who's sitting there negative, you know, what is, yeah, I I can tell you, yeah, I, I do want your money in that way. You know why? Because we have a work to do. We do have a work to do. But it's not about me. It's about the kingdom. It's about him. It's all about him. Am I going to tell you that we don't want you to be givers? No, because if I told you I don't want you to be a sower and a giver, then I'm telling you I don't want your life blessed. I want your life blessed. And I've, one of the markers of spiritual revival is when people start giving. When, when you have people who have been in revival and know what they're doing, they'll say, they'll, you know, I've heard them actually ask this question. Hey, hey, I've been uh, having this revival. Should I carry on talking to their, uh, talking to their uh, spiritual father? Hey, should I carry on? And the spiritual father who has a lot of history in a revival says, how's the giving? He said, the giving's outstanding. He said, then you should carry on. That's, that's a mark because if, it, if it's not truly of God, the giving won't be there. Right. It won't be there. Why? Because what happens is, what happened in Acts chapter 2? They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They started having this flow of God. All of a sudden it says they started giving. None of them had any need because they all saw themselves as one and they were given to one another. It's a mark. Of godliness for God so loved that he gave. It's a mark of love. And if we are not in our hearts desiring to be givers and sowers, then truthfully we're not desiring to be like God. And that's what happens. But when we start having a spiritual revival, instantly our heart is just like, Lord, I want to give. I want to give. Y'all were telling me uh, just a couple of days ago how you, you look forward to giving. That tells me... That tells me that something's happening in their heart. Something's happening in their heart. Something's happening in their life. That's God. It's a mark that God is moving. But many times if we're hard-hearted, you know, what will happen is, it's tithes and offering time. And and all of a sudden, be like, oh, God, just wish he'd get through this. And they don't realize that what I'm giving you is the spiritual word so that you never have to struggle. You never have to have a hard time in your finances. That you never have to hit the lows that we hit. You don't have to. If the kids will get a hold of this, oh man, it'll change them. You know, <laughs> Mama said, get a hold of this. Yeah, and here's the thing. When, 
I told you the story about the girls. I was believing God for a, a, like a road, a bike to cycle, cycle on and do, do some workout. I, asked, I, just, I was like, all right, here, I'm going to put extra money in here. And my girls said, I, we want to give to Daddy. They like emptied out their piggy bank to sew into my bike. A month later, I get a phone call from my brother saying, I just had it in my heart to buy them a new bike. They weren't even believing for a bike. They just purposed in their heart to be a sower. Purposed in their heart. A, few, a little while back, Abigail needed some finances. She needed some stuff to come through. My daughter back here, you can wave. So she, she's 17. She's not an adult. She said, I need, I, need some, I need finances. I think it was by Friday she needed to give X amount of dollars, and she didn't even have enough for that. But it was like, what, about 80% of it or something that you gave? About 50%. So by Friday she needed X amount of dollars for a bill. She had about 50% of it, right? She's sitting here. All of a sudden the Lord moves on her, and he says, sow it. I don't have enough to pay it. Now she's 17. Why does she know this? Because we've taught her how to be like God. And it'll work for her the same way it worked for us. 17. 17. And then all of a sudden it comes through. It gets to what day was it that it came in? The last Friday. All of a sudden somebody walks up to her and says, I, I don't know why. I just feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. 100% of what she needed. See, when she purposed in her heart to sow, something supernatural happened. So if we're sitting there and we're just like, I don't want to sow and everything like that, you're, God says, oh, well, I got, I got seed for you. I got, I got seed for you. But he hadn't purposed in his heart to sow. He's like, God, I can't give it to him. He says, I want to give it to him, but I can't. And this guy's generally going like, I sure wish I had some money. Purpose in your heart to sow. Purpose in your heart. Because God made a promise. He can't break his word. He's a, he's a God of his word. He's a covenant God. His covenants are eternal. He says, look, this is the way it is. When you purpose in your heart to sow into the kingdom of God, he says, I'll give seed to the sower. So if he's sitting there and he goes, Lord, I just, I want to give to you. And it's not just a like, well, when I have a lot, I'll give to you. No, no, no. Lord, whatever you want me to give, I'll give. Just put seed in my hand and I'll give it to you. And it's a real true heart decision. God goes, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Glory to God. And then he says, hey, I need to get seed in his hand. And so all of a sudden somebody walks up and goes, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, amen. And put seed in his hand. And what is that seed for? Is it for him just to go, oh, look, I got an extra whatever money it is. No, it's seed. So a lot of times God wants to bless somebody. They say they purpose in their heart to be a sower. And then all of a sudden they get some extra and they're like, going to Best Buy, going, going to Walmart, going, uh, let's go out to dinner, everybody. And, and no, that's seed to advance the kingdom of God. Anytime somebody puts money in my hand, I'm going, Lord, what's this for? What do you want to do with it? This is not in our budget. This is extra. It's seed. 
It's something. you got a plan for it. Why is it in my hand? And the Lord overflows. Well, what happens when you plant seed? What happens when you plant seed? It grows up into a harvest. You plant a corn seed, what kind of plant are you going to get? Corn. You plant an apple seed, what kind of plant are you going to get? Right. You plant finances into the kingdom, what kind of harvest are you going to have? Finances. You, you want to get out of debt? Find somebody. Find somebody by the Lord. Let the Lord show you. And find somebody who's in debt and say, hey, uh, I, want, I want to pay some on that. You don't have to tell them. You, you can just get it to them somehow. I want to, this is to help them pay off their debt. You're planting seeds of getting somebody out of that bondage of debt. Guess what's going to happen in your life? You're going to reap a harvest of that. But it all comes down to how did you purpose in your heart? Did you purpose? But see, most people, they never spend any time thinking and meditating, Lord, I want a purpose in my heart. And what kind of purpose does it say? It says, cheerful and abounding giver. He loves it. Most people, they're not, this is the way most people are given. Oh, it's offering time. Oh, geez. And so then they're walking up here. Oh, Lord, I wouldn't be giving this, but everybody's looking at me, you know. So uh, there you go. And, and it's almost with attitude, like, oh, it just cost me something. No, it didn't cost you anything. Because if you purpose in your heart, he gives you seed that wasn't coming in another way. It's over and above. He gives seed to, you don't have the seed if you don't purpose in your heart. In other words, it didn't cost you anything. You weren't going to have it until you purposed yourself. Now, you can kickstart it. That's why I want everybody to have an envelope, because even if you didn't come prepared, you got seed in your hand. Well, it's only, you know, only cost you like 10, 20 cents for that envelope. Hey, the widow's mite was less than that. God says she put in there more than anything, more than anybody. But when we get to this place where we are cheerful, cheerful to give, Lord, oh, praise God, it's tithes and offering time. Lord, you have blessed me so much and you're continuing to bless me and you're about to pour out on me and I've already tithed and today I get to give in the offering and you've given me seed and you're going to multiply that seed sown. You're going to multiply it and bring the abundance. And Father, I'm so excited about it. Now that's a cheerful heart. And then an abounding heart. This, this two questions that the Lord gave me years ago to test to see. Thank you, Jerry. That's yours. Amen. Be blessed. He must have purposed in his heart. How do you know that you're in a cheerful heart of giving? There's two questions to help know. Because what we purpose in our heart is to be a cheerful giver and an abounding giver. How do we know that we're there? So years ago, the Lord gave me two different questions to help highlight so that I could examine myself and, and I could examine myself and I could judge what needed to happen. So two questions here. Number one, cheerful. Let's say that you're making 100,000 a year, and then God blesses you with an extra 100,000 a year. That's a pretty nice bonus, right? Anybody would take that? I was just checking. I just wanted to make sure I had the right crowd. So you were making 100000 How many people would praise God for that? Amen, absolutely. 
and God blessed you with an extra 100000 How much would be a good amount to give out of that extra 100000 How much would be a good amount to give out of that 100000 Now, most of the time when you ask that question, somebody say, well, I'd, how about if I, I give 10% would be the tithe? What if I gave another 10% of that? I mean, that's a huge, that's $10,000. $10,000 tithe, $10,000 offering, that's a big seed. But here's the question. Here's the question. If we're looking at a cheerful heart, haven't we already proven that we could live off of the first 100000 haven't we proven that? So how much do you actually need to live? The 100000 that you were already living off of. So the extra 100000 it's really all extra. But see, what, what do most people do as soon as they get, oh man, I'm getting an extra 100000 I'm buying this, I'm buying that, I'm buying this, I'm buying this. Ooh, right? I'm buying all this. And their mind goes straight to who? Them. Us, right? A cheerful giver says, hey, I've already made this. Lord, I got an extra 100000 here. How much of it do you want? How much do you want? How much do you want, Lord? It's all yours. And see, if we're actually cheerful givers, that's easy to do. But if we're not cheerful givers, it's not easy to do. It's not. And I want you to know something. I've been, how many, how many weeks have I been preaching on this offering? I think it's about six weeks, right? Where I've been, because most of the time Nicole does the offering, but he wanted me to go over some of the basics. All of the offering was to get to today. Because as you purpose in your heart, everything changes. But you've got to purpose it right. You've got to purpose as a cheerful giver. And so when you purpose yourself as a cheerful giver, then all of a sudden things go to work. The heavenly things go to work in your life. So a cheerful giver, the, the right answer is whatever God says. And he may say, or he's already said to tithe, he may say to just give five, 5,000. He may say give all of it. He may say give 50 of it. He may say 30. He may, see, he may say give none. I've seen him do that. You would think, well, he'll always tell me. No, he doesn't always tell you something. Sometimes it's for you. But you won't, if you're a cheerful giver, you don't care what he says. Lord, I just want to give to you. I want to sow to you. Now, here's the other question. Here's, here's the, the answer there is obedience. The other question is about a bountiful heart. Now, let's say that God comes to you. This will help challenge your heart. Let's say that God comes to you and he says, for 2020, I want you to ask me for seed to sow in this new year. Ask me, in other words, God shows up at your house, you know, and all of a sudden, after you go, oh, <laughs> you know, when God shows up at your house, and all of a sudden you go, he goes, hey, ask me for seed to sow for 2020. Ask me for it. Here's the question. How much do you ask him for? How much do you ask them for? So come up with a number real quick. Now some people would say, oh, let me give an extra thousand this year. I'd love to be able. Some people would say, 
5,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 or a million. But here's the question. Whose bucket are we pulling out of? Whose bucket are we pulling out of? Yours? No. We're pulling out of his. He's the one who asked. So our bountiful heart, many times, we don't have any, any bountifulness in our giving and in our sowing because we think that God is limited to give us the seed. Because we are measuring seed based off of what our account looks like. I've had some people say, I, I would ask them for a million dollars. How many people would say a million dollars that you gave away was a pretty good amount? Anybody would say that's a good amount? I've never given a million dollars in a year. I want to, but I've not done it yet. That's a good amount. But here's the question. How much does God have? See, many times we limit our harvest because we limit the seed because we never purpose in our heart to draw out of what God has. So now you've got a heart that's not purposed and intentional to be cheerful and bountiful. And so your seed is limited based off of my cheerfulness to give it. And how much do I think God will give me? How much will God give you? Whew. Did you know? Do you know how much a million dollars is? Yeah, most people, most people can fathom the number. Do you know how much a billion dollars is? A billion is 1,000 million. Do you know how much a trillion is? 1,000 billion. Do you know how much a quadrillion is? 1,000 trillion. Now, I could carry a million dollars around in, in about a briefcase. If you had a bunch of big bills, you can carry a million dollars around in about a briefcase. You can carry around a billion dollars. No, you can't carry it around. It's like two pallets. Like it's that same amount of money stacked two pallets high. So in other words, we went from a briefcase to a thousand briefcases on like two pallets, right? That's a billion. A trillion dollars takes up like two football fields of pallets. That's how much a trillion is. It's a thousand of those two pallets. Now think about this. And a quadrillion is a thousand two football fields high. It's a lot of money. The earth is worth four to five quadrillion dollars. A million dollars in the earth is nothing. Now it seems like it's a lot to us. But we're not talking about us, we're talking about God. And why am I telling you this? Because I'm trying to get your heart to think more bountifully. I'm trying to get us to think more cheerfully. Because if we can purpose, Lord, I, you're a big God and you can do big things. And you are not concerned about my $100 bill that's due at the end of this. It's nothing to you. Lord, I put my faith on you and I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a cheerful giver. I'm going to be a bountiful giver. The answer to both of those questions is whatever that God tells you to believe for. You just ask him and say, Lord, you can give me a trillion dollars this year if you wanted to. What do you want me to believe for? And, and whatever you give, I'll give. 
The key is, have we taken time to say, Lord, and purpose in our heart, I am a cheerful giver. I am an abounding giver. And whatever you purpose in your heart is what God will give to you. Amen? Let's just stand on our feet. Father, right now, we just thank you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. How many people in here, your year is going to be different because you are going to be a sower. You are purposing in your heart to be a giver, to be a sower. How many people, I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to see the power of God. I'm going to see the work of God in my life. I'm going to see His graciousness. And I won't be beat down anymore in my finances. I've had enough of the devil and him beating me down. I'm going to flow in abundance. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm not going to be the one who keeps getting run over by the devil. Well, in order to do that, Lord, we purpose in our heart right now to be a giver. And Lord, when we do that, all of a sudden you are going to meet us right here at this altar. You're going to meet us and you're going to shake it together, press it down, run it over in our lives. You're going to multiply it. We praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may bring your offering. Hallelujah. And even if you weren't prepared to give... You can go ahead and bring that up. Bring your uh, envelope up. Oh, I heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. But I heard a tender whisper of love. The dead of night and you tell. Lord, we just believe right now that every gift, every offering, Lord, let it be pressed down, shaken together, and running over in the name of Jesus. Let lives be changed and let them never be the same. Let finances spring forth. Let it be a violent increase in their finances. In Jesus' name, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you, Father. Amen. Glory to God. All right, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Has anybody gotten anything out of that series on finances? Good. Praise God. Well, just going over a few things. You know, we're in a corporate fast right now. Uh, for most people, it'll end on January the 23rd. Keep it up. You're doing great. I'm hearing great testimonies already of just stuff that God is doing in people's lives. And uh, just keep up that fast. Listen, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, I give you the first of our year. I give you the first of it. I won't let go of it. Uh, we've been having corporate prayer at 6 a.m. and noon here at the church. And uh, here, is, uh, here is one of the great things that's going on. Every day on social media, I'm seeking to put out some stuff. The last couple weeks have been funny with that simply because I was out of town. Uh, but those are going to pick back up and you can share them. I hope that they bless you. Big, big important thing, if anybody's not in the room, if they went to the bathroom, make sure they know. Uh, there's no Holy Spirit service tonight. Normally on the second Sunday, we have the Holy Spirit service at 4 p.m. We will not have that this evening, uh, but we will have youth as normal. Just a little change in the schedule. 
And then uh, tomorrow night, the men's group meets at Blue Bay at 7 p.m. Tomorrow night. And let's see here. This Friday in Raleigh, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. will be there. You're talking about somebody moving in the power of God. Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. does. Uh, you, would be, you would be blessed to be there. It's going to be a great, great meeting. And then January 26th is a Sunday. January 26th through February 2nd will be Kickstart 2020. Is anybody excited? Yeah. Glory to God. Kickstart 2020. At last year, I'm talking about some testimonies came through, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And then uh, we're going to have a baptism service uh, on the 2nd. If you would like to be baptized, if you've never been baptized and you'd like to be, or if you are sitting there and saying, you know, I got baptized a long time ago, but my life is different now, and I'm, I'm going on a new level, a new commitment to God. I need to be baptized. If that's you, you can sign up out there. And uh, then, here's a big, big thing. Life groups. Amen? We just started up. You remember we were going to start life groups this week, but we paused it. We waited. Why? Because new life groups start up. They're going to go ahead and hand out those sheets. And uh, we have four new life groups starting up this week. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Four new life groups. You need to be a part of a life group. And uh, we have them all over. The, the, we're kind of revamping the way that we do it. It's going to be exciting. We had a meeting with the life group leaders the other night. Everybody was excited. They were like, this is awesome. I love what we're doing. And uh, I think that you're really going to like it. So if you look on that sheet, they can uh, put this up here too, talking about life groups. You can see we're going to have a life group in Mount Pleasant. We're going to have a life group up around New London. We're going to have two life groups that are here near the church. One is a little bit close to the church, and then one's near the Ag Center. Uh, we have them on Wednesday night, two on Thursday, and one on Friday. And if you need any details about that, just call the church. Listen, these, you know, uh, Paige was telling me a, a story uh, not too long ago. And uh, why don't uh, Paige and Brandon and Paul and Jade... Uh, where's Jade at? She back there? Okay. Paul, come on. All the life group leaders, come on up. Uh, Mark, Mark and Amy, Kevin and Julie. There we go. Come on up here real quick. Stand across the front. Amen. Hallelujah. These are your new life group leaders, and it's going to be awesome. Glory to God. I am so excited. Thank you guys for opening up and uh, hosting life groups. It's just awesome. Praise God. Look at all the blue. Y'all just look sharp. <laughs> Amen. And uh, so anyway, they're going to have it let, you know, on Thursdays in Mount Pleasant. Will you raise your hand? Uh, Kevin and Julie, and the address is there on the sheet that you have. Uh, New London, Mark and Amy Presley, that's on Thursdays also. It's, every one of them is at 6.30. And then uh, Brandon and Paige Emerson uh, on Fridays at 6.30. And that's right around here on City Lake. And then Paul and Jade Stallings on Wednesdays. Amen. Glory to God. So it's going to be great. This is what I want you to do. As soon as church is over, you guys, as soon as church is over, I want you to be both, all four standing by the door like where I normally stand so that everybody goes through, they see you. And, uh, and listen, I want you to tell them, hey, I'm coming to your life group this week, and you can choose whichever one you want to go to. You can go to all of them. You, you can go to every single one of them, except two of them are on 
uh, Thursday. That'd be impressive. But uh, anyway, you just go, and it's going to be fun. I wanted, you know, the other day you were telling me about how when y'all had your life group, man, you really, it just helped you out a lot just by having the family and uh, just really was a blessing to you. And, and you were saying how much it added. Get, let me have a mic. Just say that real quick. I was just saying that um, the, whenever we hosted Life Group yeah. a couple years ago, because uh, we've taken a break over the last year and a half, um, it really carried us through a lot of life events. Yeah. It was nice to have an outlet to, you know, just relax from yeah. the things that we were dealing with in our world. Yeah. And then, you know, like be refilled spiritually, um, not just at church, but in our small group. Amen. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it carried us through a lot of different life events. Praise I mean, good God. things and bad things. Yeah. I mean, not, you know, but. It, um, it added a family element. Did yeah. you need that family element? It was better that we had it. Yeah. You know, you maybe yeah. didn't know that you needed it at the time. <laughs> right. You know, but it was nice to have yeah. it. Looking back, it was very nice to have people to, you know, lean yeah. on. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, I want. Would you, you and Paul, y'all both been the leaders before. Do y'all have anything to add to that just quickly? Well, I think, you know, it's like Paige said, we uh, definitely had went through some stuff. You know, we had babies and issues there, and, you know, we were building a house and just yeah. all kind of stuff, switching jobs and, um, you know, and having people to talk to about it that not necessarily our blood family, but church family amen even closer you know um, yeah amen glory to God Paul well it's good to be in a family atmosphere it's, it makes it a lot more comfortable to kind of open up and receive things that you don't know that you really need to receive just like when we started out when we were going to life group with Paige and Brandon me and Jade started receiving stuff on a different level because through the family, it's easier to receive sometimes through a family atmosphere where you really feel that love all the way yeah. around. Yeah. And it helped us step up to another level by y'all leading it and showing us things that we didn't see. It helped spiritually take us to another level to where we could do the same thing mm -hmm. and reach out and help the same, in Glory the same way. So it's, it's a never-ending process that constantly gives and gives and gives and gives to where people are constantly receiving as well. Amen. Do you think everybody could utilize the life group? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could use y'all. <laughs> Amen. Because it's not, it's not just the leader leading it. We receive this endless, yeah. on the same level that y'all are receiving. Yeah. Amen. Well, y'all you, you, went through a, an attack and a pretty serious challenge. How did it come into play then? Which one? <laughs> the accident? Yeah. yeah. I, I was involved in a really bad accident, and then having having family around and at the time we were attending y'all's life group having the family around to kind of reach out on days where you didn't think was going that great but you constantly had a family reaching in and then purposing myself that I was going to be at that life group and getting there and being lifted up and the family sewing in when sometimes we had doctor visits and our son was young so we had members of the life group was coming by and dropping meals off and stuff at the house. And it really showed you that core family that you, that a church has and that sometimes we don't see if we don't involve ourselves into the church. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. So we'll, complete healing from it. Exactly. Yeah. 
Say again. And he's had complete healing from Amen. the accident. You know, yeah. It was a major, yeah. major thing. It was, it was, he was life flighted basically to Charlotte, and we didn't know. You know, when I got the phone call, I didn't know if you were still here. It was that serious. And yet, in that moment, the family, the supernatural spiritual family gathered around in that way, and it just helped lift it up. Anybody ever been through something before and you just needed extra support? That's what Life Group is about, is help to be. There's things, look, you can't go without Sunday morning and having the word preached to you, but the truth is you can't really, you're not designed to operate outside of a family of God, and that's what Life Group helps us add that element to it. We need Life Group, so thank you guys so very much. And then Mark and Amy and Kevin and Julie, uh, this will be their first Life Group, and uh, so thank you all. We're looking forward. I know it's going to be awesome. And uh, I'm excited to hear the story. <laughs> Amen. So listen, see these guys after. Grab, be a part of Life Group. Make a commitment and watch your life go up. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Y'all stay here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So one of the things is you need to be a part of a Life Group. And we wanted, one of the things we wanted to do was spread the Life Groups around the county so it would be easy for people. And as we go... Uh, we're going to, if you would like to host a life group at some point, just contact us. Not everybody's going to have a life group, but maybe that is the Lord. But here's the other thing. We're going to have like three or four semesters of life group per year. And so if you want to do a life group just for a semester, and it's not a lifelong commitment. So if you'd like to have one, uh, first go be a part of one and uh, make sure that you're a part of those life groups. Amen. I'd also like to thank George and Barrett because they've been overseeing everything for life groups. And uh, let's give them a hand. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So make sure you're a part of one. And uh, before we jump in today, I just want you to give your testimony of healing. At Boomfest, we were serving... And uh, just give quickly your testimony, you guys. Oh, quickly and hopefully without a bunch of tears. But um, simply put, I had been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and had been suffering with chronic pain uh, for a little over two years. Um, we've been part of Boomerang for almost a year now. Yep. We started going right around boom, um, kick, Kickstart last year. So um, I'd been kind of suffering through this, and I, to give you kind of an idea of what, that is, what that's like, um, any kind of activity, I would get very tired and, and be in pain. I'd basically have to go lay down for a few hours if I was doing anything around the house. So the day we were here for Boomfest, um, hundreds of people outside, all kinds of stuff to do. Um, I just had to kind of push through, and I, I was trying to help with cooking and... Um, cleaning up stuff out here and setting up drinks. And by the end of that day, toward the end of that day, I was in such pain, I was laying out here on the couch. And um, Pastor Brian came up to me and said, I, I believe it's, we need to pray for you. And he had pa um, Evangelist Stephen came over and got me, and we went um, into the office, and, and uh, I just kind of told him a little bit about what was going, down, going on. He sat me down, and... Uh, Within about a two-minute prayer, I would say. I mean, it was just a matter of declaration over me. And, and uh, Pastor Brian said, uh, I, you know, I believe that God has touched you with some healing up to this point, but we're, we're going to believe for a complete healing. Amen. And um, he prayed for me. And uh, 
I, I sensed something happening, but I was still sitting in the chair. And Pastor Brian looked at me and said, um, okay, why don't we do, do, do something that you couldn't do before, you know, get up out of the chair. So, and I stood up. And I, I think he realized as fast as I realized, I got up out of that chair a whole lot faster than before when I was trying to sit down. <laughs> yeah. And he said, wow, that was a lot faster than before. And I went, yeah, you're right. And I started to kind of move around. I couldn't feel any of the pain. Hallelujah. And, you know, I, I just went forward believing and trusting that I was healed, moving on. So the meds I was on, all that stuff, I, I weaned off the medication. I, I am not on any meds anymore. Um, Hallelujah. And, and yesterday, yesterday I was here picking up pews. And these guys can <laughs> attest to the fact that I wasn't laying around. I mean, they'd have been all over me if I'd laid around. But I was picking up pews back here, and we were loading them on a truck. So uh, this is like a, a complete restoration. Hallelujah. I'm not as strong as I was because I spent two years going, you know, I'm tired and hurt all the time. I'll get there. Amen. But I, I don't have to lay down all the time anymore. Glory to God. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Love y'all. So that's awesome. That's the power of God. God's moving and he's alive. We're not we're not talking about a God who's dead and doesn't care about our life. He cares about you. He cares about where you're at. He knows every hair that's on your head. He wants to do something about the places where we have had lack. He wants to move us into abundance, abundance of finances, abundance of health. He wants to move you into abundance of spirit. That's why a Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer, living in abundance. Why? Because God wants you to have abundance. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief, very clearly, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that they might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows is how the Amplified. This is the reality of God, but many people are walking in a lower reality because they don't know. That's why we're here, and that's why over 11 years we've seen the power of God we literally went from a, a living room that we own nothing, basically. I mean, Nicole and I own the house and the couches, but the church owned nothing to what you're seeing now. And just the Lord has really blessed, over, like I said, over 2,500 souls just last year. God's moving. Amen? And this is a year of complete breakthrough and harvest, not just for the church, but for you. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. God wants to do great and mighty things. I want to personally say thank you for every guy that came and helped move pews yesterday and for helping to coordinate, getting them, get them out. We had it, you don't know, we had a whole, there used to be a whole lot of pews in here. And uh, when we moved in, we needed to have the chairs set up in a different way. And so we took those pews and put them in uh, the the room of the building over there and uh, they've been sitting there kind of in our way and we need that room to have dinners and and kids and do stuff and activities and yesterday we got the pews gone glory to God and that's a prayer request answered in itself amen yeah. but all the guys who put effort into it who lifted those pews thank you Kevin you know usually when you would have done that you would have been just completely done zonked right but not, You're, you look awesome today, moving around. He said, man, I feel great. Everything's coming back the way it was. Yeah. Praise yeah. God. Wow. Praise yeah. God. So 
Anyway, 11 years, Boomerang Church, happy birthday. What? Oh, yes. Very, very happy to have received to those receive pews. To receive the pews. Praise yes. God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. We're happy for them to have them. So we literally were looking to be a blessing to somebody from the time we got in here. So that is awesome. Praise God. So we sowed into another ministry. We didn't just charge somebody. We sowed into them. Amen. So, all right. Well, let's start today here about blue. Um, several years ago, we were having a boomerang blue day, and uh, the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And he said, blue. And I was like, blue? What in the world? And, you know, because when we started 11 years ago, I didn't just, you know, I always liked blue, but I didn't, you know, I didn't pick the color that kind of became, went along with us, you know, I didn't pick that. I, when I was praying, I literally saw blue uh, in the color, and then it became the boomerang blue that we u- utilize today, kind of like everybody has. And, uh, but we had that, and we were having boomerang blue day like we are today, kind of a spirit day. I said, Lord, what you want me to preach on this Sunday? He said, blue. Well, how many people have read about blue in the Bible? I mean, I was sitting there going, uh... I think I remember one place that blue is mentioned. Like, I, I just, I, I was thinking, what in the world? I'm going to have a whole message on blue, God? This doesn't even make sense, you know? And uh, so I just prayed a lot in the Holy Ghost and uh, kept praying in the Holy Ghost. And eventually, I started, I found some stuff on blue. And then all of a sudden, it, it, <laughs> it blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, whoa, wow. Did you like that? I knew you'd like it. That's your kind of joke. Anyway, I was like just blown away by it. I was like, man, this is awesome. So every now and then the Lord will tell me to preach this message, and I want you to hear it today. And so I just want to go over, uh, I'm going to go over quickly about this, but then you're going to get the power of it, okay? So talking about blue, actually blue is mentioned many times. You can go uh, to BC, Boomerang Church, bcnotes.org, and uh, you can pull up these notes. But if you would, just you can just listen today, but you're welcome to pull them up. You can see these later. But listen, grab a hold of this. This will change your life. It will change your life. How many people would like to live life on a higher place? This message will do it if you'll grab a hold of it, okay? Uh, In Esther 8.15, you see that Mordecai wears royal robes of blue and white. And so first thing I want to do is I just want to give you uh, some places where blue is found in the Bible and the things that are said. But I want you to see this as well. Have you ever been at a place where you just needed stuff to work? I've been at places where I just need stuff to work and it just was not working. It just wasn't working. And I needed stuff to work. Anybody ever wanted, like, I just need stuff stuff to work, Lord. It's not working. All right, that's what we're talking about today. Because what I found was that God had already fixed it to work. He had already laid some stuff out and got it ready to work for me, but there were some things I didn't know. This seems to be a common theme today. 
My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I'm going to give you some of that knowledge. So Mordecai wears these royal robes of blue and white. Exodus 25, 1 through 4 and verse 8. A special offering is taken up to build the tabernacles in to build the tabernacle, including blue materials. Exodus 26, 1 through 5, in the wilderness tabernacle, they made curtains. Now hear this, this is a really neat thing. They made curtains for the tabernacle in the wilderness with 50 loops of blue. So they would have a curtain, and if you didn't know it, they would have the tabernacle, and then they had, I think it was 10 curtains, right? And each curtain had 50 loops of blue on it, and then that would be clasped by gold clasp, okay? So there would be 50 gold clasps, and that would attach this curtain to the next curtain. And that's what would happen. Now this was the inner covering. This was the inner covering, and the material was a fine, a fine linen, okay? And uh, if I remember correctly, it's this fine linen, and it, then it was these 50 loops of blue and then a gold clasp. And then it says uh, in Exodus 26, 6 through 11, they also made curtains of goat's hair. Now these curtains were made of a different material of goat's hair. They also had 50 loops of blue, but then they had bronze clasp. Now, and then this covering would go over top of the other tent. Okay, so you had a fine linen 50 loops of blue, and then gold connectors, and then you had goat's hair, and then 50 loops of blue, and then you had bronze clasp. Now, let me tell you what this means. So, one of the things that you see is that the fine linen uh, represents God's way of doing things. The goat's hair represents the old covenant, the fine linen uh, represents the new covenant the holy of holies, that you would not get into the, every man would not get into necessarily the holy of holies without coming through the fresh righteousness of Jesus Christ. It was a picture of when Jesus came. But the goat's hair, you remember in the old covenant, they would constantly make sacrifices of animals. And the animals was represented by the covering of the goat's hair. And so what would happen is, first in the process towards God, you would first go through this covenant that would utilize animals to get to God. But then you would come through this fine heavenly uh, covenant through Jesus Christ. And I want you to see something. Brass always represented man's way of doing things. Gold represents God's way of doing things. He's got something. But on each one, he had a pattern. He had on each one, both with the animals and man, and God's way of per perfection. He says gold means glory and the refinement of the spirit. But the bronze class is goat hair covering with animals, and the bronze represented man. Both of them had 50 loops of blue. Now, what was interesting about that is these 50 loops of blue represent the way to do something, the way of righteousness, upholding the law of God. In other words, with the animals and with man, God would give them a covering, but they'd have to do it God's way. 
But with Jesus, there's also a covering that's more fine, more glorious, more refined in the spirit. But you still have to do it God's way. Those 50 loops of blue represented uh, the righteousness of God and doing it the right way. Now, verse numbers 4, you see cloths that were blue. And in the tabernacle, in the temple, they would cover, blue cloths would cover the Ark of the Covenant, the showbread, the bowls, the lampstand, the containers, and even the golden altar. In Exodus 28, the high priest's breastplate was secured with blue cords. Can you see that God was using blue in all of these holy attributes? He was using these things. In Exodus 28, he says, you, may, you shall also make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like the engravings of a seal. Hear this. On the plate, holy to the Lord. And what would uphold the holy to the Lord plate? These straps of blue. You shall fasten it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban. Now what I want you to see here is a picture of a priest. You can go ahead and put that up. You have a picture of, of a priest who has this plate up here and then it's held on with a blue cord and even the blue goes over his head. This was supposed to be a part of who he was. You can see the blue tunic which was close to him. This was a covering of God. All right, And then... So this was the priest. You can see that blue attached things. Blue connected things. Blue represented holiness. It represented a divinity in this way. All right, now let's look at this. Numbers 15, 37 through 40. The Lord also spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the sons of Israel. Now who's he talking to? He's talking to every man in Israel. Every man who belongs to the family of God. And he says, speak to them and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garment throughout their generations and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. So now God's setting all this stuff up and, and he's... He's preparing something. All right, let's look at this tassel. Now, this is a shawl that they had that they wore and a tunic. But even, even here on this tunic, they have on the corners, they have a, a tassel. And then around that tassel is a cord of blue. This is one of the tassels. You can see it's attached to the corner there. Now, who wore this? Every man in, the, in Israel. Every man in Israel. So every Jew would wear this. Would Jesus be wearing this? Yeah, absolutely. He would be, wear, he would be wearing this. Now, verse 39. Listen to this. Hear this. Verse 39. Numbers 15, 39. It shall be that tassel. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments. Remember all the commandments of the Lord so as to do them and not follow after your own heart and after your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. 
So he would say, utilize blue in the temple. He'd utilize it in the covering of the temple. He'd utilize it to clasp and, and hold things together. He utilized it to cover holy things. He utilized it on the high priest, right? He utilized it on every man in Israel could look at their garment. And on the corners, they would see a tassel and they'd see a thread of blue. And when they would see that thread of blue, it would remind them, be godly. Do godly things. Think godly. Act godly. Uphold his commandments. So that I wouldn't say, I would look at that tassel and I would say, uh, I, I need to forgive that person, not just cuss them out. All right. I, I, need to, I need to move on. I don't need to tell that driver that he's number one the way the world tells them. I need to forgive them, right? I need, I need to, it, they would look at that tassel and all of a sudden they'd say, it would remind them what? To be holy. To be holy. To live like God wants you to live. All right. So blue started to represent heavenly power. And if you'll do these holy things, it will release the supernatural. If you'll do these holy things, it will hold together the temple where the presence of God is in your life. In other words, if I'll act holy, all of a sudden I will become a place where God can dwell. So blue started to represent heavenly power, rulership and government, royalty, the commandments, judgment, righteousness, holiness, and hear this, freedom and completion. Completion. Have you ever wanted stuff just to work? What I asked at the beginning. But many times things don't work because there's not completion in our lives. There's not completion in our lives. There's not righteousness in our lives. The word says in Hebrews chapter 1 over around verse 8 and 9, it said Jesus loved righteousness and hated sin. Therefore he was anointed with the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. In other words, when he put on righteousness, the anointing of God, the power of God came in his life. This blue represented a completion of God's work and power in the lives of the people. And every Jewish man would walk and at any moment they could look down to the corners of their garment and they could see that blue thread and it would remind them, put on godliness. Put on godliness. Are you a son of of the Most High. Are you a son and a child of God? Are you a Jew? Do you, are you a part of God's family? If you're a part of God's family, then there is a covering and a blessing for your life. And they could look at that tassel and look at that thread of blue and say, the devil's trying to come against me, but he's not going to win. He's not going to win. You can apply this to yourself. And even when you wear your blue, uh, boomerang blue shirt, you, you should be sitting there going, hey, the devil's not going to win. The devil's not going to win. I'm a part of the child of, of the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God. You look up at a blue sky and say, that's a reminder that I'm a part of a kingdom. I'm a part of a family. And no matter what the devil tries, he can't do it. He can't do it. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to try. Anybody ever had the devil try? Yeah, me too. He's going to try. Now watch this. Now the shift. 
Exodus 29 shows Aaron anointed. Aaron was the high priest and he was anointed and then they took a bull and slaughtered it and then Aaron's sons were then anointed. So they anointed the high priest, they made a sacrifice and then the, all the children, the sons, were anointed. This is a type and a shadow of Christ being anointed and then slaughtered and then the body of Christ, you and I, were also anointed. So he's saying, look, what happened with Aaron is he was anointed, he was the high priest, but then they had a sacrifice and that sacrifice gave them a right to anoint everybody else. And so this, this basically showed the story in advance. It was foreshadowing. There's going to be a high priest. And when that high priest is slaughtered on the cross, it's going to release the supernatural power of God to every person when he completes his task. Then Exodus 28, 31 through 32, it says, You shall make a robe of the ephod of all blue. There shall be an opening at its top and in the middle. Around its opening there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail so that it will not, hear this, hear this, so that it will not be torn. So that it will not be torn. Leviticus 21, The priest who is the highest, the high priest, among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured and who has been consecrated to wear the gar garments, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes. This is a commandment of God. And so you saw that picture of the priest earlier. And what did he have? He had that blue tunic on underneath. Then he had the cords that were holding on the plate and the cords on his turban. And so what you see is you see this blue represents a royal priesthood. A royalty, a high priest. And it shall not be torn. But then you go over to Matthew in the Gospels and here Jesus is on trial and they're asking Jesus questions. And the high priest, who? The high priest. What was he wearing? The blue tunic, right? The one that shouldn't be torn. The high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? Talking to Jesus. What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Listen, and then the high priest, what did he do? He tore his robes and said... He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have heard the blasphemy. So right here, all of a sudden, all these years of a priesthood, of a high priesthood, and here it comes up to it, and what do we know now? That while the high priest in, in Jewish tradition was standing there, there was the other high priest who's about to be Jesus Christ standing there in the same room. And all of a sudden, you see a tearing and a ripping of the old covenant and a coming of an end to what was coming through the, the 
the uh, tent that was made of bulls and goats of brass where man handled those sacrifices. And now we're coming into the tent of fine linen where the gold and the glory can be refined. The spirit can be refined. And all of a sudden you see that high priest on his own stand up in front of everybody and rip that garment. And what you saw was one covenant completely come to an end. But then in just a couple of scriptures, John 19, 23, Jesus is anointed. He was anointed with the oil of joy. What comes next? He's to be slaughtered. And here he is at the cross. They've beat him. They've taken his robe off. His robe, his tunic off. They've taken the tunic off. The one that the high priest wears, the tunic. And listen to this. He says, and when they had crucified Jesus, they took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier. And also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. And they said to one another, let us not tear it but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So here we see the high priest of Israel rip his clothes and draw an end to the covenant, to the old covenant, draw an end to uh, the tent that was made out of, out of animals and man's ways. And you see a beginning of the new covenant where fine linen of the refinement of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God. Is there anybody in here who needs the glory of God in your life? Who needs the power of God? Not based on what I can do, but based on what he can do. That's what we're talking about. There was a transfer and, and blue is one of the things that connects us. There was a transfer of the power of God through these blue garments. And it wasn't the garments themselves, it's what they represented. That man could not complete it on his own. But Jesus Christ, he could complete it all. He could do everything under the law to take the glory and the anointing of God and get it into our lives. And right here at the cross, you see this transfer from the old to the new. The old represented stuff that I could never uphold, but the new represented a king of kings, a lord of lords, a high priest who still lives today that is still fulfilling every law that needed to be upheld. You're seeing a sinless lamb. Somebody, I couldn't do it. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I'm trying to do the right thing and I couldn't do it. I needed somebody that could do it for me. That's what's happening right here. He's saying, so he's saying, look, I see you. I see where you're at. And I know you can't do it on your own. That's why I'm going to send Jesus to you. Now watch this. As we wrap up. There's a time in Isaiah 51. Hear this. Isaiah 51, 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. He sees the time where it will shift. From the sacrifices of bulls and goats 
to the sacrifice of the Son of God. And he says, when you get this sacrifice of the Son of God, here's what's going to happen in the new living. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Your God and Defender says, See, I have taken the terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. That is a promise to every believer who is in Jesus Christ. God's not mad at you. He's not, he's not angry with you. He said, you'll never taste of my fury again. There's a whole doctrine saying that God's mad with you and he's doing this because he hates us and loves us. That's not what God says in the word. He says, when you know Christ, you will not drink of my fury ever again. God makes you that promise. Isaiah 54, he says it again, verse 8 through 10. In a, he, God says, in a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while. But with everlasting love, with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you. I will have compassion on you. With everlasting love, my love's never going to fail you. With everlasting love, God is a covenant person. He says, when this transfer happens from the old way to the new way, with everlasting love, with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear, God says, I swear I will never again be angry with you and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills may disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Who has mercy on you. This blue represents that where we could not uphold everything and do it right, Jesus could do it right. Where we were going to fail, he would not fail. Where, where we couldn't check all the boxes, Jesus did check all the boxes. It represented righteousness. It represented a completion of the law. Check, check, check. Check, do this, don't do that. Although we failed time and time and time again, Jesus checked them all off and is still checking them all off in your life. And you have a promise because of what he's done. This is what this blue represents. Here's a lady who got it. Here's a lady who got it. Malachi 4.2. Listen to this. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness. What are we talking about with Jesus checking it all off? It means he did it right. He, he was righteous in every way. He says this, the son of righteousness, of completion, of godliness, of holiness. We know that this is prophesying about Jesus. The son of righteousness will rise up with healing in his wings and you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. Leaping with joy. Why? When you get a hold of the son of righteousness. Now watch this. Healing in his wings, his wings, you know what that word is in the Hebrew? The corner, the fringes. So it says, the son of all righteousness. The son, let's put it this way, the son of completion, of righteousness, of doing it right. The son of blue, 
right? Because that's what blue represents. The sun of righteousness will arise, listen, with healing in his wings, with healing in the fringes of his garment, in the corners of his garment. The sun of righteousness. Now let me read you this story. Luke 8, 43. And a woman who had a hemorrhage of blood for 12 years could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched, what? The fringe of his cloak and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. The son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, in his fringes. He will do everything right and because of it, he will have the complete work of God in everything that he does. This woman said, that is the Messiah. That's the son of righteousness. There's healing in his fringes of his garment. There's healing. And she, even though it was illegal for her, she ventured out into the crowd and she reached out by faith and said if I just touch the fringes of his garment I'll be healed if I just by faith will reach out and just touch and grab a hold I'll be healed and as soon as she touched the tassel that represented all righteousness with her faith the power of God flooded her body and she was instantly healed she didn't just see a man walking down the street. No, she saw the promised one of God who would complete everything. She saw the one who would uphold all righteousness and, and check every box. She saw the one who had the anointing to set her free and to heal her. And, and he says, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his robe and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? While they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power has gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had escaped, had not escaped his notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all people the reason why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, Daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. In Hebrew, the word blue is tekeleth, keleth. The root word of that is a word called kaleth, which means complete. Complete. John 19.30 Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, or it is complete. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. In other words, any one of us can be that woman with her faith who touched the completion of Jesus. What she did that day was she said, he's the one who has everything complete. And with her faith, she reached out and she touched that completion and immediately everything she needed was handled. There's things that you may need in your life, but the question is, will you get up and reach out and touch Jesus? 
this morning at this altar. Jesus is represented here at this altar saying, Jesus, I need your help in my life. I need you in me. I need you in my life. I couldn't do it on my own. I needed help. God said, I've already sent him, and he's brought you the help that you need. The question is, will you be like the woman who reaches out and grabs a hold of the completed one? I just want you to bow your head right now. Everybody to bow your head. Jesus has completed it. We couldn't get there on our own, but with him, we can. Many of us in here, we need help in different ways. Maybe things are going great, but you need things to go better because you're believing for abundance for every good work. You need help putting something down, finishing it. You need help to end an addiction. You need help to be completely healed. You need help for your finances to go up. You need help to live this life the way that God wants you to live it. I need help to raise my kids right. I need help in my family. I need restoration. Listen, there's one who wrapped his tassels with a thread of blue who is still alive today. And I can touch with my faith the one who completed everything. Where I couldn't complete it, he will. And if there's any way or anything that you need to touch him today and you need him to touch your life. See, what happened was when that lady reached out with faith to touch the fringe of his robe, automatically that faith drew on the power of God. And the power of heaven reached out and touched her life. Now today, you know, the place where your power comes from is God in heaven. And today I just want you, if you need help in any way, it doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means, hey, I can't do this by myself. I've been trying. It's not working. Lord, I need help today. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right now and just keep it up so I can see Glory to God, just keep them up. I see those, keep them up so I can see. I want to pray for everybody. Lord, I need your help. I need you. I know I need you today. Lord, I thank you for it. Lord, let them not be, let them not be uh, hidden, Lord, but let them be bold like this lady. This lady had a death sentence if she was found out, but she was bold enough to press in anyway. If that woman who'd been beat up for so many years, could go out there under penalty of death and reach up to heaven and touch God, how, mu how much can we do it in a free place like this? So just right now, you may have lifted your hand and put it back down, but if you lifted it up, go ahead and lift it up so I can see everybody. I need your help today, Lord. Lord, I need you. I recognize I need you. Thank you. I see all of those. Now I just keep your head bowed, put your hands down, and I just want all of us to pray right now. And I want you to pray out loud. Don't pray, don't pray in your head. The word tells us that we need to confess these things. I want everyone in here to pray. And I want you to mean it with your heart because when you mean it with your heart, you get serious with God like that lady did. He'll get serious with you and he will meet you. And I want you to pray right now. And when you pray, I want you to receive the power of God. Know that when you reach out, there's a God who will answer with a touch of complete, completion.
and just pray this right now. Say, Father, right now, you are the Lord of my life. You're the director. I need your help. I can't do it without you. I need supernatural completion. In every area of my life, help me in my family. Help me in my finances. Help me in my body. Help me in my soul. Help me in my mind. Lord, help me in my spirit. You're the Lord of my life, Jesus. And I believe that you died for me for everything I couldn't check the box on. Every sin, every bit of mess, you took that on you. And I believe that that mess took you to the cross and to the grave and that you died for me. And I believe that God, in completion, raised you up from the dead. And in completion, He didn't leave me there, but He raised me up with Him. And now... According to the Bible, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places, high above all problems. Lord, I thank You. Jesus, fill me, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire to live a completed life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now, right now, just keep your eyes closed. and You can lift your hands if you want to, but just receive. Receive answers from God on every issue that you may have. Receive wisdom. Receive a restoration. Receive freedom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, thank you for pouring out right now. Thank you for pouring out right now. Lord, thank you for pouring out your supernatural strength in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for pouring out your supernatural strength in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for pouring out your supernatural strength in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. You're bringing solutions. You're bringing answers. You're bringing completion in the lives of people right now. You're bringing all kinds of answers in Jesus' name. Lord, let it be supernatural. Let it be supernatural in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.